Hello everyone, it's Adam from Uprafoot24 here again with episode 13 of Meeting the 92. I'm here today with James Cunliffe. Now James is the editor of The Lutonian, so you pretty much know already what sort of club I'm going to be talking about today. So what, James, <laughs> thanks for taking time out of your, your day to join me. How's everything over there in beautiful England? Well, we were having a chat before we recorded Rummy about it always raining, so it's not doing that, so that's good. Um, right. I think it's quite it's quite sunny out there, but you you don't leave your house this much uh, much these days anymore. So um, uh, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. Summer's about to break, hopefully. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Now, obviously, as I said, there you're uh, the editor for the Lutonian, and uh, how how did that all get started and now, what does the Lutonium, for, for people who don't know much about it, what, you know, what sort of work do you do? Lutonian is a website that largely focuses on Town Football Club but, and other um, aspects of the town of Luton. Not so much news um, because we have, uh, have other news outlets that focus on all the grim stuff, but all the good stuff, that you know, mm-hmm. music going out, lifestyle and that sort of thing. But it's, it's largely um, about Luton Town because... There's a lot going on, and there has been um, for the last couple of years, and particularly this summer. So um, that started when Luton got back into the Championship for the first season, um, mm-hmm. two seasons ago. Um, but I've been writing about Luton since 2005, and so I've experienced all the all the very very lows and all the very very highs <laughs> since then. Really, I mean. Are you a lifelong fan? How long have you been? I assume you were following the club before that, or it's a strange one because I was I wasn't born in Luton. I I was smuggled across the border at the age of five, um, having lived in that other place that Luton don't like <laughs> uh, down, <laughs> down the road, down the road. Um, uh, I don't know if uh, your your regular system might know the geography of that, but um, yeah, think of local rivalries. Um, <laughs> So I didn't actually come as a as a Luton fan, and you sort of growing up in Luton. And another thing, I suppose, you know, just for context, people might want to know about Luton is it's it's often derided as a town. Uh, you know, probably about twenty years ago, there was this very infamous book that slated uh, crap towns in England, and, and Luton, Luton was number one in this book. Um, I think it's a very unfair reputation, but you know, sort of growing up in Luton, you're living with that as a kid, and it, it has its effects. You know, you sort of get told that Luton's a crap town, um, and everybody tells you, and every all the football supporters that come here say, "Oh, this is the worst place," and it's not really. But you you sort of you take that on board as a younger kid. So there was nothing I wanted to do more than as a younger kid than leave Luton, and it was um, it was when I uh, became a journalist. Uh, and started writing about Luton that that connection with the football club reconnected to myself with my town. So um, completely different now. I mean, I, I love the I love the town. I love the people. I'm very proud of the place. And it's probably all really related down to the football club, um, you know, and, and how that uh, has made you feel sort of part of the community. Really. You know, and I was writing about them as well. So I'd go up and down the country um and i'd go to some quite 
dodgy places sometimes. <laughs> you know, not, I'm not naming any, but you know, it's only then when you do a bit of traveling. You know, they say travel broadens the mind anyway. You travel up and down the country and you realize all this stuff people were saying about my town, it's way off the mark and there's some pretty bad places. <laughs> uh, so that sort of helps as well. So, um, you know, uh, I've got a lot to, I've got a lot to owe in terms of the club. Mm. Now, I'm going to just change Jack slightly because what you mentioned there, James, uh, as you said, it's kind of the way that the football club embodies the community. Uh, what is it that Luton Town does that really pulls the community in, 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 in your opinion? Or is it the reputation that the town, coming from a town that has a similar sort of reputation, I think we were number seven on the list. So, <laughs> but uh, is it is it maybe the fact that it kind of is is a force for Luton spirit, shall we say? Yeah, well, we're kind of a bit of a fighting town, really. Um, we're, we're this, uh, you know, if, if, if you look at the political sphere of the south of England, where we are, where this tiny little enclave of uh, Labour supporting, largely Labour supporting town amongst the sea of conservative blue. Mm. Uh, and for context, the Conservatives pretty much have run the country for my entire lifetime, apart from about a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I live in Luton, so I, I, I'm not in favour of that. I'm not happy about that at all. But we're, so we're, we're fighting against the odds anyway, in, in that regard. Um, but we're sort of like this, this tiny little, we're not, I say tiny, we're not tiny. We're one of the biggest towns in England. We're, we're a working class town. Uh, you know, surrounded by um, more affluent neighbours, I would suggest. Uh, so that that sort of brings you all together, anyway. But the the, the football club, I think I, I I'd like to think that all football clubs have that uh, thing where they pull in the community. But I know it's probably not true. But it, it certainly is for Luton in the last, you know, 12, 12 years. Um, you know, ever since Luton got relegated out of the football league mm-hmm. and had to build back, um, build back stronger to get back to where they, you know, started from at the point where they got all these punishments, and then it's had to be this uh, community aspect, and it's it was it was kind of at that at the early stages when you were getting relegated and it was just misery upon misery. It was this fighting attitude where it's like you know we're all going to stick together, and. Um, you know, take on the world sort of thing. Um, and it helped that the, the people that now own the club that rescued the club from oblivion, and it really was oblivion. It was sort of, you know, the very last second of the 11th hour before the club went out of business. You know, if it, if it hadn't been for a, a draw against Liverpool in the FA Cup and getting a replay, it very could have gone, it mm. very well could have gone out of business. The people that rescued it were Luton fans. So the people that are now on the board, the investors and everybody in charge of the club or, or custodians of the club is what they like to call it. They're all Luton fans now. And they were, you know, the, the chief executive, Gary Sweet, he was instrumental in rescuing it a couple of times um, through the various administrations that they had, you know, sort of three in the last, three in this decade, uh, this century. And he was, he was really you know, leading the forefront of that. So he um, sort of spearheaded a consortium with with Nick Owen 
TV presenter and Luton supporter and you know various other investors to to rescue the club and they've just had this plan ever since um, to get it back to where it belongs. You know they were the, the, the consortium were called Twenty Twenty. This was in you know two thousand eight and nine when the club was in dire straits and they rescued it. The 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 idea being that by twenty twenty they'd be back where they belong and, and they they got it there. They they succeeded in that. Got back to the championship. Um, you know, and, and many would say that's probably Luton's, that's Luton level where they need, they, they should be looking to be, even though Luton had a, you know, a golden decade in the top flight and were um, one of the clubs that uh, brought in the Premier League. They just never got to play in it because they got relegated at the top flight uh, the season before the Premier League came. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there are some people that say that maybe the Premier League is, is, their, is their rightful place, but uh, you've got, you know, I mean, Law of averages and years, you probably say the championship. You know, everybody's happy to be back in the championship, but and now sort of looking up as well. So it's, everything's on the up. So you know, just on the community front of it, those aspects where you've got you know one of your own basically running a club <laughs> for the be- for the benefit of the club, you know, and they run it very prudently. They don't splash out big wages. I mean, anybody that keeps an eye on championship finances will know that so many of the clubs are, you know, paying more money out on wages than they get in and they're in debt. They're hugely in debt and that's not right. And Luton don't do that. They live within their means. It means they have to do things a bit differently. So it's sort of, um, you know, that helps. You know, success ultimately helps with that, doesn't it? So, from from the depths of despair and five years in the non-league, they've um, they got promoted back to the football league, and then double promotions to get back to the championship. And then last season, having survived on the final day of the previous season, last season they finished twelfth uh, in the top half of the table. And, and when you consider the the budgets or the money that's been going around in that division money that people don't have then it's it's a massive achievement and so everything really is everything has been sort of on the up and up and and it's looking that way everybody's really excited about the new season because they've they've sort of remodeled their entire squads so far in the in the summer with eight signings and they're all looking (laughs) pretty positive so yes it's looking good i really do well well, yeah we're gonna i'm gonna have to ask you about that a little later on because it's 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 really got my jaw dropped but for, I mean, for people who don't know sort of the ins and outs, could you just sort of briefly explain how all of that sort of came about? Because like you said, for me as a, an 80s child, you know, I remember Luton as a top flight team and I, I remember it a bit better, you know, being a football follower from the UK. But for those from not from the UK, just give them a bit of clarity. Of, I mean, from, from where I was, it was like, just the club just constantly seemed to get screwed over left, right, and centre. But I mean, was, was that the case? Oh, absolutely. It was, you know, really unscrupulous owners of the club doing a bad job of, of running the club, or in some cases, intentionally not running it and, um, you know, taking money out of the club, not, not putting it back in and, you know, for essentially forcing asset stripping when, you know, you're flogging off your best players. And so they were in the championship a bit of financial trouble, um, flog all their players, they go down, um, and they go down again, and they go down again. So three consecutive relegations. Um, 
But the last one was the kicker, really, because in the in the bottom division of the English Football League, um, they'd gone into administration, and that's when the current owners had stepped in to rescue the club, and you know they they'd taken over the club, and the club got punished for the previous owners' indiscretion. So the the, the fans of the fans ultimately are the people that always get hit hard by anything that goes wrong. They had it wasn't their fault. The fans rescued the club and it wasn't the owners because they were the fans and they rescued the club. Um, and, and, you know, for the fact that they'd gone into administration and it happened a couple of times and for financial irregularities, the, the Football League and the FA combined to give Luton a, a, a 30-point penalty in that last season. But if you combine it with 10, 10 points the previous season, it's 40 points, really. They've never since hit anyone as draconianly and they should have you know just recently Derby were found to have really been playing fast and loose with the figures and that they 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 should have gone down really they should have been relegated but they've, they've they're not they stayed up they, they get a slap on the wrist and and on they go so there's this um there's this feeling of being aggrieved at the governing bodies and the authorities in the game among Luton fans. In fact, there's a, there's a huge flag in the corner of uh, the main stand that, that has been there since 2008, which says, betrayed by the FA and therefore will leave 2008. And that's how they feel. They've got songs about it. Um, you know, they will always be hurt by it, but, you know, that's it, it's eased somewhat now the fact that they've got back to where they feel that they belong. And it's, it's still good, though, that you make sure with the flag that people don't forget. And it's, you know, makes it an important part of the, the culture there. I, just briefly, I'd like to touch on the, the years in the non-league. There must have been some fun moments getting to go to some of those non-league clubs. Any sort of happy or funny memories from, from those years? You know, as, as you said, when you were travelling around the country, you go to a place and you think, yeah, it's not that bad where I'm from. And as a non-league follower, <laughs> I can certainly testify to some of those non-league places. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in an odd gallows humour sort yeah. of way, there was, um, you know, from I remember the first year, you know, Luton fans have been in the top flight and they've, you know, they've had their problems as many clubs did in the eighties with hooliganism. So most football clubs in professional football are used to being having this segregated a way of watching the football. You, you can go to an away ground, you get shepherded to the ground and you get taken out on your own. There's no mixing. So in the first season, I went to a club called Forest Green Rovers, who've since got in the Football League. But at the time, they were this, uh, and they still are, this tiny little village club in Gloucestershire, I think. Um, it really was uh, a small, small place. And the, the ground also doubled up as a leisure centre. So when you got to the ground, there were football supporters going to the football, but there were also gym bunnies going to do their daily workout and that sort of thing. <laughs> And I just remember getting there quite early, and um, there was a there was a bar or a big room where all football fans could go in, and 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 that was all of them. So both sets of football supporters are in there. The, the Forest Green Rovers fans treating it like normal. The Luton fans really didn't know what to do. Not that there was any sort of uh, aggro or violence or anything. It was just, it felt like a sort of a school disco where the boys stand at one side, the girls stand <laughs> at the other side and they don't know what to do about the situation. <laughs> and so, 
uh, the, the stuff like that really um you know and but but there was there were some good times um you know going away to clubs that had been previously in the football league as well like cambridge and oxford who were relatively close neighbors so uh, stuff like that and like sort of little battles with the nearest rival was stevenage uh, who in the county next door and they they like to think the Luton are a rival and, and Luton don't think that at all, but it is, it, it is good to go there. The thing about that was um, they, they did get one over on Luton in the first season because everybody was expecting Luton to go straight back up and it was Stevenage that got promoted to the Football League for the first time. So that was a bit of a, a downer, but yeah. the natural the natural order of things has been restored now where they're in the, the bottom division of Luton in the championship. But yeah, I mean, they, 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 they were, there were good times. Um but ultimately, it was it, it was so difficult to get out of that division because you could only get out as champions automatically mm. at that stage, uh, or or via the playoffs. And Luton have an absolutely horrific record in playoffs. They've never won one. So uh, <laughs> if you don't go up as champions, then uh, and as 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 often happened, a couple of times happened in playoff finals, Luton suffered. And so it was five years in the non-league. When everybody thought they might bounce straight back up, but um, I think that probably made you know the club and the, the fans more united and stronger, really. Um, particularly when you know, John Steele took over as manager and he he did the job and got them back up. It was it was sort of party time then. Only imagine sort of the frustrations that you would have felt going through it. There's still a, I know there's still a lot of discussion these days about the fact that promotion between. League five and League four, is, for, for want of better words, should be a lot easier than than it is. I think was it Wrexham have been there now sixteen years out of the in the conference without a break. So it's yeah, it it shows there's some sort of bottleneck there. That Luton I think is, it's a I think it's a bit of naivety really as yeah. well from certain clubs like Luton as well. I mean because the the fall was so dramatic over three seasons, that's not normal. It, it really was hard to take and you sort of think, well, we should be beating all these teams. But all of these teams, like the Forest Green Rovers, who are a village team, essentially, they're all seeing Luton as the big fish. And, you know, if they can take that scalp, then uh, that, that's that's great for them. So everybody really turned up against Luton. If you weren't on your metal, you got found out. And so, um, yeah, it's, it took a long time to adjust, I think. It's good. It's good to see you back back where you belong. Now, of course, uh, Kenworth Road. It's 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 famous. It's also notorious, shall we say, amongst football fans in the UK. Is is the away end still the same? Where you you have to walk through someone's house? Is it? I've never been myself, but I've heard you going to you get get into the away end yes. through a back garden. Yeah, well, it's a very old-fashioned ground. It is 115, 16 years old. Wow, and it wow. was built amongst um, some terraced housing in in one area of the town. And so it really is crammed in. And so the away end or the way entrance is an opening in this terraced housing. So you've got houses either side. I think you may even have sort of flats above the entrance as so you have to go through. Essentially, you walk up some stairs, you can see into people's gardens to get into the away end. And... Um, I, I love I love it really because everybody hates it coming there. If you're an away fan, you hate it, and everybody makes a remark, and, and they they like to think that they're you know um, aiming a dig at, at Luton fans. But 
Luton fans love it that, that they're moaning and complaining about having to do this. It's it's, <laughs> it's very uh, it's very unusual as a football ground, um, but it's on it, you know it's on its it's on its last legs now. So it's it's it will be twenty twenty four, and then and then Luton move into a new one. So yeah, ah. it's uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be it's sort of an, on its long goodbye now. So for the next three years. Um, but yeah, it, it'd be sad to wave goodbye, but it's needed because because the houses around it are, are literally on the sort of <laughs> I wouldn't say the touchline, but right outside the stadium, like butting up right against the the structure. That there's no way you can develop it, and it's it's old. It doesn't serve its purpose, and there's many other things as well that there's no sort of uh, you know, recreation that people can go there before games or after games or anything, and so. They're really maxed out on the amount of um, money they can make out of that stadium, and, mm-hmm. and that sort of that sort of affects the way they have to deal with their, their budget and, yeah. and and everything that the club do. But ultimately, that sort of stuff will stand instead in the long run because um, they'll they'll figure out ways to do things differently without having to break the bank. And then when the new stadium comes along, which is going to be you know all singing, all dancing, state of the art, right in the center of town. Oh, near all the bars um it really is a massive project this new stadium actually it's what it's worth talking about because the, the owners of the club like i say are, are lutonians so they've got the town at part as well not just the football club so they've they've, they've bought a big patch of land that has been laying derelict for two decades in the center of town oh wow um like derelict and toxic because it used to be yeah. a you know um a power plant there and so they they bought this space of land where they're going to um, redevelop it, put a new seventeen and a half thousand seat stadium. In a minute, they're at ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also going to redevelop other parts of the site because it's that big that it will re- regenerate that entire town. And they've also bought a second site up near the, the motorway junction. Um, just on the outskirts of the town, they're going to regenerate that as well. And the, the money that um, they get from that and sort of leasing it out or whatever they're going to do, um, it's going to be offices and and shops and uh, you know lots of recreation stuff. It's going to it's going to pay for the new stadium. So it it's all going to pay for itself with no handouts, grants, or or anything. Um, that's going to affect the taxpayer and it's going to bring you know it's going to bring estimated 250 million pounds into the local economy annually and up to 10,000 new jobs I think it is um, at last count so it's totally going to revamp the town of Luton as well as giving Luton Town Football Club the the opportunity to compete against these so-called bigger clubs in the division they're in and potentially then have an eye on going up to the Premier League and, and having a good go. Oh, all credit to them for that. That's really good news. So often when I'm doing sort of pods like this, I talk to him like, yeah, our new ground's out on the out on the sticks in the middle of nowhere. We don't really like it and we want to be back at our old stadium in the, the town. And Luton yeah. seems, seems to be going the other way. So it's credit, all yeah. credit for you. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's completely the opposite direction and it's the way it should be because mm. it will make... The football, the centerpiece of a, of a weekend day, but you can also go to the town beforehand, doing a bit of shopping or have a bit of a meal, have some drinks, 
It's also going to be a music venue next to the stadium. So potentially after you watch Luton yeah. beat somebody 5 nil, you're going to go and watch your favourite <laughs> band. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's all very, very exciting. And, and it's just down the road from where I live. So it's sort of, <laughs> even better. My, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Um, now, you just say, just indulge me a little bit here, James. Um, something I'm very passionate about is the sort of the community side of football clubs. And I'd, I love some of the stories I hear about how uh, football, especially the trusts that are relate, you know, sort of linked to the clubs, help out in the community. Is it is it a similar story at Luton? Or, uh... Yeah, it is, it, and it all relates back to this idea that the you know the board, the people in charge, are you know have the not only the football club um, in mind but the town, and so they've got a very active community trust in the area. I mean, you know, as much as I love Luton, uh, you, you, it's it's a fact that it, you know the, a third, sort of a third of it is um, a deprived area, really. And um, they, there's, I think, they cite sort of one in three people are physically inactive. I'm one of them, <laughs> um, and and sort of these these other challenges that the town has to overcome. So they've they, they've got uh, an independent charity called the community trust linked to the club that, that go out in the in the community and it's the idea is very simple it's it's using the power of the of football and the football club to um improve people's lives in in the town really so it's probably something that doesn't get talked about enough but the, the work that they do is, is astonishing really you know particularly because the last 18 months yeah. have been affected by a pandemic as well but um I was, I was going. To, I was going to ask. You know, what what things have they done during the pandemic to support? It's it's really um, simple but important stuff. I think that mm-hmm. recognizing that there are a lot of people out there, uh, whether they're Luton supporters or not, that um, were isolated and lonely. It was just caught. They were just calling them up yeah. and, and talking to them and that sort of stuff. And you know, some of the, the football club staff did it as well, so you'd have recognized faces like. Mick Harford, who's a club legend, um, who's now assistant manager, that sort of thing, just, you know, talking to people and phoning them up. But even if it wasn't that, just just members of the trust doing that to try and uh, let people know that they they weren't alone out there because it was tough times in the early days of the pandemic. It probably still is, to be honest. It feels like we're sort of coming out of it, but reality, we're not. There's a lot of people going to suffer from it now and, and probably in the long term in the future it's there's it, probably a you know a tsunami of mental health problems that's going to come along from from it so um you know they're involved in in, in that in, in physical activities and in, in activities to you know, boost uh people's in, inclusivity in the in the areas they live and the, the town they live and, and stuff like that so it's, it's really is to be applauded i mean i don't know if other clubs do it to that extent or whether they're particularly special but I think there's it, it's something that when people know about it I, I think that they should be very proud of it if they're from Luton or, or, or in any way attached to the club. I think yeah one of the the, the sad thing there you said about it was the fact that you're not not aware of what other clubs do and, and I think you're quite right when you say it, it is very under promoted it's under advertised the excellent work of community trusts across mm. across britain in general across the uk there's so much 
fantastic work going on. And as you said, what I love about it is they utilise the power of football to really promote good in the local areas and develop the local areas, which is great, great to see. Yeah, the Luton have just, uh, the Community Trust have just launched a sort of strategic plan from this year till 2024, when the new stadium will come along. Up. Um, so if anyone wants to read about that, they should go to lutontowncommunity.co.uk. It's really worth a good look at that because they do great work. Oh, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Now, I'm a bit nervous about this now because when you when you alluded to it earlier, you wouldn't even say the town, <laughs> the name of your rivals. Now, is the rivalry that fierce that you can't bring yourself to mention the word? Well, I, I'm in a I'm, I'm in a difficult position because I've got I, I was born there and I've got family members there. Um, so for me, it's it it it's uh, it's a friendly thing where you know I can. Um, I can separate myself from it a little bit, but it is fierce. I think probably more from the Luton side because mm-hmm. Luton have had to suffer as much as they had. And, and, you know, last year when they were both in the same division as the first time in 13 years, I think um, that, that that had happened. So there'll be a huge amount of uh, supporters probably on the Watford side, mm-hmm. maybe younger supporters that have never known that rivalry. And so have never, felt it and they've they've been knocking around the Premier League at various different spells as well so they would have gone to clubs near them like Arsenal and Tottenham uh, and they might have thought that they were their rivals whereas Arsenal and Tottenham wouldn't think that at all <laughs> they'd just be little Watford from up the road but but for Luton you know when you're when you're plunged into into such um, a low ebb as they were you almost survive on these old stories of the rivalry and what happened. So, so I think younger Luton fans have been brought up on that thing of that they've got to, they and the club have got to get back to where they belong so they can take their rightful place in the division against their local rivals. And um, I, I think, I think it is fierce, uh, you know, sort of judging by the reaction to beating them last season. Um, it, it was immense and, and it was one of the best one of the best days of last season the only shame was that there was no football fans in the ground really okay very yeah I was I was surprised as well when you said you sort of Stevenage it's it's almost a bit of pity I wondered if you built up a bit of rivalry over the years with them a bit of a bit of banter oh, at least. no I think they do they, they've got that I mean, Luton have been drawn against Stevenage in the League Cup for this coming season, so that'll be the second game of the season. I think. Um, oh, great! Like, uh, <laughs> I tweet. I tweeted at the time. Can we stop calling this? A, a, can Can nobody please call this a local derby? Because it isn't. It's just uh, a very convenient place to go to an away game. <laughs> Did the Stevenage fans, the Stevenage Stevenage's two fans, actually like that? I think they know where the internet is, do they? So. <laughs> there we go. I got. I got. I haven't been to Stevenage yet on this tour, so I'm like, hi guys. <laughs> I know, but yes, yeah, say so you mentioned that. I, just, I remember reading something around the time of the derby last season, and I was I was quite su- surprised by the ferocity of the. The comments being made to and forth between supporters and the like, and it was like, oh, hang on a second, there is a bit of 
real animosity there between between the two clubs. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was helped by the the home leg for what the home leg, so the, the home match for Watford, where the local authorities and the police were boarding up every statue they could find, thinking that even though Luton fans and weren't allowed in the ground, that they would come to the the town and do some damage. And it was it was eerily quiet that day as I walked through Luton, yeah. Watford to get to the football stadium. So. There was nobody there. And I think I don't think that's helped because Luton fans were around. was a bit of an overreaction, really. <laughs> yeah. It's it is what it is, but they, they Luton lost out on that day and it was one of the worst games I saw all season. It, it didn't feel like a derby atmosphere. You know, I've been waiting for it for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. I've never never reported on uh, on a local derby. And it was just a, a, an absolute damp squib where all the action happened in one minute and that was it. And Luton lost. Yeah. So uh, you know, Luton hit the bar, should have scored, hit the bar from like no yards out. And <laughs> then Luton Watford went and they were in and scored and that was it. And the rest of the game was played in such a sort of tepid manner. But the, the one, the, the return fixture back at Luton was very fiery. And the Luton players were all really up for it and, and they won in the end. They probably should have won by a lot more than 1-0. It was, it was the biggest 1-0 drubbing I've, I've been put down <laughs> for some time. But uh, it was a great, great day. Ah, oh, brilliant, brilliant. Now, I've got to ask, I mean, obviously, pre can only talk pre-lockdown at the moment, but what's the match day atmosphere like? Are you are you a noisy bunch down there? or? Yeah, hey. they are a noisy bunch. Um, and they, they travel away in big numbers as well, when, mm. when that was a thing. Um, but yeah, they are. Um, How do they organise themselves? Do they go beyond the goal, or is there a, a fans that, you know, a sort of a hardcore area? There is a hardcore area in the corner of the main stand where the big banner I talked mm-hmm. talked about earlier that, yeah. that de- decries the influence of uh, the FA in the football league. That that's the that's where the, the the loud fans are. They're over in the corner there. So um, yeah, no, the atmosphere is is it's always uh, big and uh, and buzzing as much as it can be for you know ten thousand. But but people always comment uh, who, who come from opposition teams that how rowdy and lively it is for for just 10,000 and how intimidating it is because it's one of these old when when we were talking earlier about old-fashioned grounds it is it really is that you know the the touchline is a couple of yards Mm. away from the the first seat and the the fans are really on top of you so it it does have that effect and when when it's rocking um it, it it really rocking and it, there's been a lot of that the last three seasons. So. Of course, of yeah. course. <laughs> and uh, are, are they planning to keep some of the features in the new ground or is, is are the plans that not developed enough yet to talk about? Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see because there's always that element of um, trepidation, I think, when, mm. when other clubs have, have moved and where the atmosphere, but I think they've done, because the fan, the, the people that own it are fans, they, they know how much of a benefit the Kenilworth Road atmosphere can be to Luton Town Football Club. So I think there's been a lot of work on, on keeping that atmosphere inside the ground and rather than having one of these soulless bowls that mm-hmm. many of these new football stadiums are. are. Um, so that there's there's a lot of careful consideration for that as well. And there's also like nods to the history of the town as well. The, 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 town, the football club's called the Hatters because, uh, you know, back in the day, Luton have, used to have a thriving hat trade sort of um, turn of the century so they, they've got this big uh, 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 
spotlight, what were the floodlights? That's it, floodlights. That's, that's the word. <laughs> the, the, the floodlights for the ground are very unusual. They're done in this sort of halo effect around the, the top of the top of the stadium, which is something I've not really seen before. And that's a nod to to like the hat on the top of the stadium sort of thing. Brilliant, so, brilliant. Yeah, there, there's lots of that. There is, yeah. a, there is a, a good deal of consideration there, uh, as to how the match day experience can can still continue um and you know hopefully it just get louder because it's going to be seven and a half thousand more people allowed into the ground so um yeah hopefully it'll it'll be rowdy i'll look forward to that i certainly will uh, i mean these days obviously kennel road yeah where do, where do fans then congregate before the game is it are there any sort of local pubs or or that or pie shops are, or um... curry houses <laughs> that are pretty popular i don't know where yeah, there there are local pubs, but the thing of it is, where the stadium is is away from the town centre, so there are no pubs around the stadium. There is a thriving um, retail shopping area. Uh, it's largely of uh, Southeast Asian um, uh, origin. That's where that community lives. So um, there's no pubs around that area. So the, the pubs are probably about a ten minute walk back into the centre of town. Mm-hmm. And this is probably where the new stadium will address that because the bars and the pubs will be right outside. So everybody sort of congregate there. Um, but, you know, where the stadium is, 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 is still thriving. It's one of my favourite things about coming out of the football grounds. I'm usually one of the last ones because I've been typing up my reports and my quotes and stuff. Uh, and I, they often shut the gate that you come in, the press gate. So I have to go back down the other end of the stadium to get out of the main reception and the only way back to where I need to be is to walk through this very vibrant area um, it's very very colourful and there's lots of people out in the streets and food and stuff like that but, um, it's not really that sort of uh, football vibe mm-hmm. to it um, so you probably have to go back into the town to, to where all the football pubs are but the ones that do build themselves as football, the Luton Town pubs, and there's probably like three main ones. They they pack to the rafters before games. Uh, good fun, good fun, good fun. Now we uh, can't talk to you without touching on all these players you've gone out and signed this year. You must you must be optimistic. <laughs> I mean, we're recording this a few weeks before the season starts, of course, but you've got to be pretty optimistic with. With, with with the signings and what what are the hopes for the season ahead? Yeah, hugely optimistic. Uh, I was a bit trepidatious at the start because um, the top goal scorer left on a free. Um, he'd been a top goal scorer for the last three seasons and really been instrumental in firing Luton back up to the championship. Um, he he left. He's gone. That's, that's James Collins. He's gone to Cardiff. Um, so sort of worried about that. They're, they're, they've got a midfielder called Paddy Radicampanzi who's been there since the conference days and a sort of a real cult hero who's offered a contract and, and that's still ongoing that's not been signed and honestly it looks like he's probably going to go somewhere else so that'd be disappointing so that's sort of a, a spine of your team and then um, the captain was a centre-back Sonny Bradley was in the same boat sort of out of contract offered a new one but luckily he signed re-signed at the beginning of the summer that, that that stopped that sort of exodus a little bit. But, um, you know, Luton got to the position they were last season really off the back of a very good defence. They weren't huge scorers. Uh, James Collins got, you know, 14, I think it was, across all across all competitions. 
So they, they were really they really did struggle for goals. They won nearly all of their away games that they won were one nil wins. So they'd go away and nick one and keep it tight, which is great because who, who doesn't have a one nil away win? Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, at the start of the uh, summer, it was it was clearly it was going to be a, a summer of transition, and, and since they've had their current manager Nathan Jones in. Uh, since 2016 they've improved on their league position every year you know sometimes they've got promoted twice but they've improved on their actual where they finished the previous season so you know like he he left in a sort of cloud of controversy to go to Stoke um just before Luton uh in when Luton were in league one the third division halfway through that season he left in a, a cloud of controversy but um Mick Harford who who's played for the club Coached the club, done the dishes, <laughs> done everything. <laughs> I served the team. Yeah, Mr. Luton. <laughs> yeah, he's Mr. Luton. He he took over um, the, the the team and, and got them to the League One title. So got them promoted to the Championship, and then they went in the Championship. They they got um, Graham Jones uh, as manager, his first managerial. Role. People might know him now because he was you know on the backroom staff of England for the Euro mm-hmm. twenty twenty tournament. He's now at Newcastle as um, sort of number number two or right hand man. Something like that to Steve Bruce, the manager. But that didn't work. It's, he was a nice guy. Probably just like uh, you know, wrong time for him. So when the pandemic struck, they let him go, and it was the biggest surprise to anyone, all Luton fans, that they got Nathan Jones back in as manager because he really was loved, really loved before that. There was a massive, a big relationship with him. He, he was so passionate and you could see that at the end of the games and when they were winning and, and, and pushing for promotions, he'd be, at the end of the games, he'd run up to, you know, the away support or the home support crowd and really get them fired up and be beating his chest and stuff like that. So people fell in love with him. But then he left uh, really controversially in the middle of the season and just before the transfer window as well. So people weren't happy about that. So when he actually came back, uh, people were stunned um, but it's proved the best decision. It really has because he he had nine games to save Luton in the championship. They were rock bottom, had been there since Boxing Day, uh, and they were six points, I think, off, off safety. Uh, and it got them to the point where they survived on the final day. And then last season we got them to twelfth. Mm. So to improve on twelfth is is going to be very difficult. But and that's why I say I was trepidatious about it, but. The signings that they've made, they just seem very astute, shrewd, under the radar stuff that they've done their homework. Um, and we know that they have, they've got a great scouting network, but they've also signed recently uh, a statistician analyst guy called um, Jay Sochich, who people can go, if people are on Twitter, they can go and have a look at him. He, he, he was a fan of Sheffield United and did a, a started up a fan. Twitter account called Blades Analytic, which got hugely, hugely popular, where he just focused on the analytics and stuff. And he did that for fun as a, as a fan, but then he, he made a career out of it. And now Luton have signed in permanently to help with their recruitment analysis. So they've got all these different ways that they are trying to you know, get these gains on these other clubs. And, and they've signed eight so far this season. And, um, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's it's looking very, very promising. The point, then, as we're speaking now, 
couple of hours ago. They just signed their eighth. It was um, Admiral Musqui, who is a, a youth player from uh, Leicester City, a striker. Um, but now he's a sort of full Zimbabwean international. And so people people probably don't know who he is. I'm, I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but well, you're going to learn pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they've, it's incredible the business they've done. Um, they've, they've, they've brought players to strengthen in every area where they needed to, um, and particularly up front where you know they weren't scoring a lot of goals. They, they sort of half rectified that in the January transfer window when they signed Elijah Adebayo from Walsall. He's made a magnificent impact and, and kept James Collins, the top scorer, out of the team, which is probably a you know, contributing reason as to why he thought, mm-hmm. I'll, go, I'll go now. Um, but they signed... Carlos Mendes Gomez from Morecambe, who's in, his, his journey in life, let alone football, is incredible. People just want to Google his name. He's sort of gone from Senegal to Lanzarote, Madrid, Atletico Madrid on his own as a 15-year-old. Um, you know, moved with his family to England, didn't speak a word of English, couldn't find a team for a year, had to drop down to the 10th division of the 10th tier of English football. Mm. And now finds himself in the championship with Luton. So it's, that's a magnificent sort of story. But um, you know, they signed him, Cameron Jerome, who's you know anyone who follows the Premier League would, would have known him from playing in teams like Birmingham mm. and Norwich. Um, he's an experienced striker. Um, they've got they've got him in um, this new fellow from Leicester. So it sort of really helps bolster the attacking options. This is the only thing, really, with all these changes is how well they can gel now because that's that's obviously sometimes the most difficult thing. But, you know, it, uh, if worse comes to the worst, you sort of accept a couple of uh, positions lower, you finish in the table perhaps, or maybe you finish the same. I think people would be happy with that because it's this seems like now a total new... Um, revolution uh, evolution sorry of the team they, they've really this could be like the year zero where they have to push on and they know they have to push on um, so they have to they have to establish themselves as a championship club um, but they they want to keep this progression going on so mm-hmm. um, you know whether it's now or whether it's the next season it's coming that they've brought a lot of young players who can really fulfil that and, and take them forward I think oh um, fingers crossed to say I've I've been very impressed with the signings and the fact they were done so early. You bought tons, signed tons in June, from what I what I remember, and it's always a good sign yeah. to get them get them in early, as as you mentioned there. Uh, yeah, no, it gives them a preseason as well, doesn't it? They, yeah. it that's going to help with this idea of getting them to gel and, and play a certain way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Luton manager Navin Jones has, has developed this way of playing for for Luton, which they had to not abandon, but change in the in the championship when he came back in favour of a bit more pragmatism to try and stay in the division. And then last year, it was built on this solid back four. They always had a solid back four in the lower leagues where he was there, but they also had these incredible attacking players, um, not least two full-backs, these two wing-backs who people will know. James Justin went to Leicester, was making great, progress there and probably I would I would suggest probably would have been in the England side for the end of Euro 2020 to be an end of himself so badly and then Jack Stacey who went off to the Premier League at that point with Bournemouth um, they, they were incredible um, so they were always playing with that sort of wing back 
style and this attacking whip that they had and they sort of were slowly getting back to that in the, the, the latter stages of our season and now it looks like they've signed the players that can fulfil that type of football again if they can then it's going to be a very exciting season because it was a thrill ride from League 2 to League 1 I wish you the best of luck, I really do uh, James, it's been fan- fantastic listening today, I've really really enjoyed it, it's, it's great to hear all the good work and like you say Luton getting back to where they belong it really is yeah. Um, people who want to follow a bit more about what's going on, obviously the Lutonian seems to be a great source of information as well. Where, where best for for listeners to to follow follow your work and follow what's going on at Luton? Yeah, um, if you go to the Lutonian.com, that's where the Luton stories are. If you want to follow me on uh, Twitter, I'm at uh, Luton Journal LTFC, um, and I post uh, post stuff about there as as regular during the season when the games are going on. So yeah, plenty, plenty of places to, to find me. Um, you can find other social media accounts on there as well. <laughs> I can't remember the title of the name of them now, but um, yeah, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, they're there as well. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. Let's say thank you. Thank you so much for today. Um, that's it at home, everyone. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as me. I've, I've really enjoyed the insight into the club. Of course, you can follow me across the social medias as well on Ucrafot24. But till next time, everyone, take care and stay safe. Goodbye for now.